Welcome to Level Playing Field Podcast. My name is Randy Boos. I am your host for this podcast on the Outsports Podcast Network. It has definitely been a while since my last episode. With no sports, I just wasn't in the mood to podcast, so I took a few months off. This episode with Matt Barker actually was recorded back in May, so it has been a while. Throughout his playing career, he has battled um, injuries, addiction, coming to terms with his own sexuality, and he's feeling the best he has in a long time. Hope you enjoyed this episode with Matt. Welcome, Matt, to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so, for having me. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's sort of been interesting the way this worked out with the owner of the Denver Browns messaging me yesterday and it all happening within 24 hours. But the article that he sent me about your life had a lot of stuff in it. And I want to go over some of that today and, and get people to hear your story more because it's, you know, like a lot of people that are LGBT. Q, it's there's some rough parts there sure. are some some good parts and it's just the your story that that you have for your life and and how you got to where you are now so you obviously or at least what i know is you played the game of baseball at a very young age when did you start playing baseball well technically like the first things that i was really doing was uh i was like i don't know two years old and uh my parents tell me that uh i used to uh i uh i saw they were watching a cubs game on tv one time during the day and uh i think uh, my dad said that uh, ryan sandberg stole second base or something and they were showing it on instant replay and uh i was uh, uh I, and they and they and he went into slide into second base on slow-mo instant replay right and I came running into the room out of uh, out of sight, and then I like did a slow motion slide just like the TV, as if I was going into the base. And they kind of just said he should play baseball. And at some point shortly after that, they handed me uh, a baseball or a wiffle ball bat, I'm sure, and a wiffle ball, and you know, just uh, pretty much played from there. And uh, for you know, I tried to play, I tried to play t-ball, and they wouldn't let me. The the place i was at in california they said that i couldn't play t-ball because i might injure any one of the other kids and so i wasn't allowed to play t-ball and i was too small or too young to have played like the you know next level up still and so i just had to kind of like you know sit there and just kind of be like hmm, all right well i'll just wait another year then and uh that was pretty much it and then and then you know everybody was you know playing against kids that were pitching or it, maybe it was coaches at first i don't remember mm -hmm. now but uh yeah it, yeah that was uh, that was kind of the first uh um introduction into organized baseball that i had and i'm trying to remember the team i played for but you know i can't necessarily remember the first team i played on in, in the really really little league like right after t-ball whatever they call that so what is the first baseball memory you have then actually on an organized team? The, uh, basically that back then would be that. I remember, I remember that. So I just don't remember the team. I think we wore light blue or something. I remember my brother's team. He's a year younger than me. Uh, his team was the Cubs. I was like, Oh, you're so lucky. You know? <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, no. And he, he, you know, he's a Cubs fan too. Whole family's Cub fans. And, uh, but I remember that. And, so, yeah, I remember, I you know, that was kind of uh, the first introduction to baseball. There was organized baseball. We played on a team. And uh, I think we moved shortly after that. And then we had a league or uh, a, a league at a place called Evans Park Little League is what it was called then. I don't know what it is now. I think it's actually a junior college softball field now or something like that. Maybe it's still used for Little League. I'm not sure. Uh, but, 
that was where we played Little League, and the first team I was on there was the uh, they were the Red Sox maybe or the Dodgers. I was a I was a Red Sox, a Dodger, and a Yankee. Um, those were the three teams that I played for, and I was a Yankee when my parents were coaches of that team. And I think the first team I was on was the Dodgers, and then I was traded from the Red Sox to the Yankees. I think in some sort of scenario, unless it was the Dodgers to the Yankees. My parents might know. You that. were traded in, in Little, Little League. Yeah. How does that happen? Well, basically, it was like, so uh, it, I would imagine that it had everything to do with, like, the league needed coaches, and my parents said that they'll coach one of the teams, which was the Yankees, and that, that needed a coach. There was something that happened uh, with the previous coach who'd coached the, the team, I think, for a couple of years, and his son was actually uh, one of the best kids in the league, um, and his his name was Ben Leach, uh, and... Uh, yeah, and I and I remember him in that team, and so I was I pitched or I played against them the previous year on one of the other teams, and then uh, my uh, my parents ended up coaching the Yankees, and they ended up have, uh, being like, well, our son is over on this team, and the league is like, well, technically kids are supposed to like if it's a parent coaching, they kind of keep them with them, it keeps makes it a little easier or whatever, you know, I don't know. And so they traded away a bunch of players and had me uh, come over. And then my brother and I were on the same team and then Ben Leach. And he was already basically the best pitcher in the league. And I was essentially the second best pitcher in the league. We both threw, like, at the time, I think he was, like, 72, 73. And I was, like, 71, sometimes maybe 72 uh, miles per hour from Little League Mound. I don't know what that is in the correlation. but uh, uh, well, and, we threw, and how we, old were you? I don't even remember. Let's see. Uh, probably like, how old are the Little League World Series kids? Are they like eleven or twelve or something? Yeah. So we were we were probably like ten, eleven years old. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, I don't know what ended up happening to him. I thought he, I thought I heard that he did all right in college, but uh, or in high school, but I didn't hear much uh, about it. I, we didn't keep in touch with really anybody out there after we moved. I turned twelve out here, so we moved, uh, and I was born in '82. And so it was 94 when we came out here and it would have been like maybe April or something like that. And I turned uh, 12 years old with like a month later, maybe. And when you, you, so you grew up in California and you moved to Colorado, right? That's what you mean when you're saying out here. Yeah. Out in Colorado. Yeah. So all, all of this little league stuff was in Southern California. And then we moved out here to Colorado and I turned 12 years old and had my first year of school was seventh grade. Oh, okay. And then the article that I read talked to, obviously, it's a lot about your sexuality and your, your struggles to um, accept that. When did you start to realize that you like boys? The first time was uh, uh, the, you know, I mentioned in the story about uh, Dave Justice and everything. Yeah. He played for the Braves. The Braves were my other team. And uh, I was just, I just remember thinking that he was really cute. And, uh, you know, um, I would have been probably like, maybe 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 nine or ten i want to say ten so let's say he was it was probably like 90 91 somewhere yeah and back then the braves were on tbs and nationwide their games were on almost every night right and then you know you had i think it's the was it the 92 world series with the braves and twins you got smoltz and uh jack morris uh or was that 91 uh i thought i forget exactly yeah, it might have been 90, 91 or ninety two. It, it was one. It was one of the early ninety years where you got that great pitching performance. You know, you had Terry Pendleton, David Justice. I mean, you just you just had it was it was greatness. I thought the Braves were awesome, and uh, you know, 
they were they were my other team and uh so it was yeah i was we, i was a cubs and braves fan and dodgers fan and uh you know and then since the i guess you'd say the falling out of the three teams it would be just a two-team race it's cubs and dodgers you know cubs being number one forever and always and the dodgers being number two forever and always no one's passing them ever again in any one of the categories forever it's those are one and two they'll never swap places and they'll also never be swapped with anybody else how how did the love with the cubs come about it's got to be because uh you know uh my dad and mom they would uh they would watch cub games and uh it's daytime baseball. You got Harry Carey, you know, like my, my basically my surrogate, my baseball uh, grandparents are, you know, Vince Scully and Harry Carey. So, <laughs> and then of course, Chicago Cubs being on the other superstation, exactly. WGN. Right. So that's right. Yeah. So uh, you had, you know, Braves for TV and you had Cubs for TV and then you had the Dodgers for locally. And, you know, we're a National League family. So that was just the style of baseball we liked, you know, and uh, we, uh, <laughs> It's not like we didn't go to Angel Games. We went to Angel Games, but we would, you know, the Dodgers are just, you know, that's the that's the way. And San Diego was a little bit more out of the way, so uh, never actually got to make it to uh, what was it, Qualcomm back in the day. Um, I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before they uh, left there and everything else. So, you know, you talk about David Justice. When did it did it ever happen where like you're in high school and you're playing sports and you maybe recognize you have feelings for one of the players or no no none of that i uh i didn't uh i just you know uh after that moment i was just i just locked it up and didn't really uh you know i didn't let myself think about it look at anybody in that way uh and and still don't i don't i don't cross the player boundary you know you know it's not like people are just ugly because they're in a baseball uniform that would be silly it's not that it's just that i i personally draw the line at that i don't you know, I'm not, I'm not crossing that boundary. Well, yeah, because, because obviously you're like now it, you like are a family. So it's, you just see the guys differently anyways. Well, I mean, you hope that if that's the way, it certainly wasn't that way in like college, you know, like that's not that, that's not what a baseball team in college is. You know, I was kind of disillusioned to that, you know, but that's, that's not that. I don't think that's something that's uncommon being disillusioned to like what you know baseball player or teams are in college that's that's probably pretty common i would say yeah because so. we'll, we'll get to your college stuff too because obviously college is where i think the addiction right, the issues really right. came in right yeah when the wheels start really coming off sure what was your high school life like though playing baseball still and then that's when you started to to realize that you could actually have a career in this yeah you know i didn't really uh i didn't really think of it honestly during you know, my junior year or anything like that, it was, uh, just kind of like, I'm just, I'm just playing baseball. And, uh, I didn't feel like I was like this, you know, I don't know. I, to me, it was almost the same as it was in little league. Like, you know, like if I'm, you know, if some people say that I'm the best player in the league, there's probably like, you know, one or two that are, really the best players overall and if i'm one of them great and it seems like it because i'm right there with every one of them statistically so that's cool with me but it didn't really feel any different to me like there was like the future just beyond uh you know the the only time that it actually felt like you know something had now been derailed was when i got hurt as soon as that happened that was it was like an immediate like flash snap whatever you want to say in your head of the quick routes gone 
you know, or the fast route's gone. Like the route you weren't like really looking at because you don't want to just put it right in front of your face and then stumble or anything like that. You know, you, you want to focus on the other things instead of being like that. You want to, you know, that's, we were trying to win championships and I didn't want that to be any kind of focus for me. So I didn't really think that it was, especially then until I got hurt. And then when I got hurt, I was like, yep, you know, there it went. And so this is really like your first major roadblock. Do you think this is what set you up for maybe some of the, the problems you'd have later on? Because you're a pit, star pitcher for your high school. This is what your junior year. Yeah, that was the only year I really pitched. I threw him relief a few times in my sophomore year, but uh, I only pitched one year, yeah. And then so what happened with the injury? Were you actually playing a game or was it practice? Yeah, no, I was. Uh, we were in, uh, uh, I think it was New Mexico uh, for ter- the final tournament of the year. Maybe it was Arizona. And it was the the first game that we played. We ended up losing, and we were or, uh, we were we were not supposed to lose, and we were losing the game. But it was you know like kind of like hey, we're we could we could wake up here and win. And so I I was like, let me kind of wake the team up a little bit. We just kind of seemed like we were you know almost jet lagged, and I don't even know if we I can't even remember if we flew. But uh, we uh, you know I was so I was like I'll steal third base, and when I stole third, I slid in head first, and uh, the way I landed, it kind of like landed with my. Uh, uh, the palms of my hands too far into the dirt. So I kind of like almost like I was landing in a push up position, but I'm still kind of out in front. So it slid out in front of me. And when they slid, it almost like, you know, they slip a little. And when I landed, it just kind of popped and I slid into the guy, which then kind of crunched it. It sounded like a big, huge pop crunch blow up scenario. And uh, as soon as it happened, I knew that, you know, that was that, that was that, that, you know, whatever quick route. Cause you know, I don't, I'd been, I, it was pretty obvious from the very early age that, uh, that at the very least, regardless of anything that I can do on the baseball field, I can throw the baseball, whether it's velocity or not, I can throw it further than everybody. Uh, you know, if somebody might be able to throw it harder than me, but they can't throw it further than me. I feel, I felt like that was something for whatever reason. And, uh, as soon as that one thing that of course you realize is actually important goes, Definitely, it's obvious that the faster route is no longer going to be there, whatever that route may be, you know. So that was just kind of like one of the first time I was really like, yeah, that's if like if that star was within reach, it's, you know, like the brakes got halted there for, you know, what ultimately didn't what didn't matter. You know, the team basically, uh, you know, creamed us probably like nine to two or something. I don't remember the score, but I didn't need to steal third. Uh, It was an unnecessary attempt. It, the run wasn't critical. Uh, I was safe, so that's the silver lining, I guess. Uh, but you know, and then because we lost, I was supposed to pitch the next game. I was thrown in the bullpen, and I was just like, "Yeah, it's there's no velocity there. I can't even like, <clears throat> I can't even like make it even feel like it's 80 miles an hour. I don't know what it was, but uh, it definitely wasn't what I was regularly throwing. And <clears throat> I went out there and tried to power through an inning. I got through an inning. And then I think I threw two warm-up pitches the next, uh, you know, in the next half and walked off the field. I don't think I told anybody at the time that I did it when I slid. I think everybody thought that I blew it out while I was throwing at some point, but uh, that's not what happened. I wasn't pitching when it went. I was I slid in the third. I knew it was over immediately. And uh, the surgeon said it looked like a grenade went off when he went in and looked at it. Oh, damn. And so pre-injury, are you thinking that, you know, maybe I have a shot to be drafted or – 
not really. I didn't know anything about like how it how it really worked. You know, I didn't know that uh, high school kids really were ever like drafted and uh, as if it was like a regular thing. Uh, I never wanted to go to college. I didn't have any kind of college baseball plans or schools that I was really like, yeah, that's something, you know, I was just, you know, when I was little growing up, there was really only one thing I ever wanted and that was to play pro ball. And I wasn't like looking at it like this is the, the true focus because I don't know, it's, it's weird because uh, it was still fun. <clears throat> you know, it still felt like it was this, this fun game that like, you just like maybe even when the game is over and your uniform is off, you go back to your neighborhood with those same guys that live near you and you go to the park and play again with a tennis ball or something, you know, like, I don't know. That's just, it's, it's kind of weird to say it's like, you know, cause especially the way everything is now, it's just like, well, why aren't you, why weren't you gearing towards whatever? We're like, because that's just, you know, the evolution of every sport now, you know, moves forward. It's not how it was. Anyways, I didn't focus on it like it was some outward thing. If I did, maybe I'd worked harder. I don't know. But so then you you have this injury and you, I think you miss most of your senior year. No, they uh. told me that uh, I uh, that I should maybe miss my senior year and not play. Because in order to do the rehab and then the throwing process they wanted you to do, they didn't want me to do anything extra on the baseball field in order to get back to that. And I was like, mm, I'm not going to miss my senior year. So I, I didn't, I changed the way that I threw a little bit and short arm most of my throws across from second base and didn't pitch again. And then I just, you know, made sure my offense was at, if, if nothing else, just as good as the year before. And, uh, and then it turned out that it was better. So, you know, and yeah, that was, uh, that was that. So let me ask you this then, you know, you have the injury and before you, you switch some things up, you, your mental health must have taken a hit, you know, not only being able to not to play, you have your, your issues with your sexual identity. How was your mental health during that time? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't feel like I was uh, ever down on myself or felt like I was down on my luck. You know, it really just felt like it was a bummer. I mean, I was, I was in a sling for a very short period of time. Uh, I didn't have any pain at all not when I woke up in the hospital not when I went home um, the only time I ever had any pain was when I tried to you know throw or uh, when I uh, went to the rehab which I only went to one of those you know I only went to one physical therapy session and then I was like I'll do the rest myself and you know as far as like getting back to where I wanted to go that ultimate that decision right there being an immature 17 year old that is what led it for me to take longer to get back to throwing with any kind of velocity similar to where I maybe either should have been or could have been or whatever. Ultimately, I threw, ended up throwing harder than I ever had before the surgery, but it just took longer to get there because I didn't do the, the rehab, the physical therapy, you know, like I should have, which I learned as a result that uh, when I had my knee surgery, I was like, I'm not going to make that mistake again. I'm, you know, I'm almost twice as old. <laughs> 17, maybe you get away with it, even though it cost me, whatever. I'm not going to make that mistake, so... I learned, I guess, my lesson in that regard. So I didn't miss any uh, baseball time. I had surgery in October. Fall baseball was basically over. There was maybe a few games left. I think I was playing for the Cherry Creek uh, fall team at the time. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and then I had to have surgery. And I said, okay, let's do it now so that at the very least I can play. And they suggested I didn't, but I did. And so I just played anyways. I just didn't pitch anymore. And then so what leads you... Because so this article that that I'll share um, in the show notes, then I'll, I'll tweet it out. Also, it, it's a few years old, but it it talks about how um, you're drafted by the Rockies. Mm -hmm. um, baseball has 
numerous amount of rounds. So you're you're drafted in the 40, 46th round. Yep. Um, that point, that's when you decide that college is your your only route, really, if you want to continue to play, or well, or how do you end up going to college? So uh, the Rockies and I met, and the the scouts that drafted me came and uh, took my dad and I to dinner, and they said that uh, you know before my injury projections as far as they were seeing, saw me uh, potentially anywhere between rounds three and 10 uh, without knowing how a senior year, of course, can go. And uh, also I, before knowing that I ended up get, getting hurt, you know, but if projections had moved forward, if, you know, if I'd been a third round pick, if I was potentially going to be that high, I thought, well, if that was, you know, if I was potentially a third round pick then, and here I am at 46 and I'm a local kid, you might as well sign me and then just throw me into the lowest levels of the system and almost act like you forget about me, but put me in your system and let me play baseball like that, you know, and then you'll see, you know, I just felt like I needed the chance for them to see what I could really do on the day to day instead of just kind of hear about it. And I didn't even know the Rockies had scouted me. I don't think I'd ever filled out a, uh, uh, you know, player card or anything else. The only thing I did was they had, uh, you know, asked uh, me and how many players they did to come to Coors Field and put on, you know, their, uh, their, their, uh, the the showcase that they that they might do probably every year I'm sure, and that was that. So if that was true, if any of that was you know if they were just blowing smoke, then well whatever you know I guess bummer what I bought it I don't know you know but uh, if they were telling the truth, then that's the way I felt. I was like, well if that's true, you should get me in there because if I was potentially a third round with, and then there's this kind of talent there that you see, then you might actually have had a, a number one round type of talent come through and now you've got all of this time to you know put make mold them into whatever you want but uh i don't that it didn't happen and then of course you know i went to college and showed my immaturity anyways emotional immaturity and uh and for all i know had it had i gotten into the system it could have ended worse you know i could have done more damage to myself or somebody else why do you think especially you know starting out starting out at midland why do you think it was so rough for you. You you talk about what I mean. What do you think caused that? I mean, it's easy to say immaturity, but I mean, well, I mean, were you yeah, frustrated with the baseball stuff or your sexuality, yeah. or was it just a mixture of all of it? No, see, because I was at the time, uh, you know, I was there wasn't any really like thoughts on my sexuality. I was like, I'll just play the straight part as long as I need to, and not let it get in the way of anything else, right? And so that was kind of just like. You know, there's that over there. It's not an important factor of my life. You know, it's not a part of my day to day. And um, so that was just kind of like how I focused on that, uh, you know, or didn't focus on that, let's say. And then pretty much right away, I didn't like Midland. I don't know, a couple of reasons. When we crossed over the border, when we left Oklahoma and passed the border into Texas, I just, it was like, you know, this like weird sense came over me. I just didn't, you know, wasn't agreeing with me right away. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to explain it. But we continued on and then I ended up in Midland and pretty much clashed with the coach's ideals of what baseball is or what a play, a baseball player is or should be. And I, you know, essentially completely disagree and uh, or at least disagreed with him then i don't know what his you know philosophy truly is now but uh, what he was telling us at the time i was like mm, that that's ridiculous I, did, I just didn't like it right off the bat as a result of some of the things that you know a lot of people might call petty and i don't know some of it is 
also like you know sometimes superstition is a good thing you know and sometimes players want to wear high socks and sometimes players like to joke around and sometimes players need to be you know need to like blow themselves up in order to like boost their performance you know there's all kinds of different personalities so to try to make everybody into like one conformity I didn't really feel like that was what a baseball team was. Were you able to develop like friendship and maybe mentorships with college, the coaches and players or, you know, like not at the first place. I didn't have any, any real relationship with the guys, the coaches at all. Uh, yeah, they didn't, uh, I didn't think they acted like any kind of mentors, you know, uh, that some of the times when I'm in the batting kit, uh, you know, on the, on the field, trying to hit off of, uh, the coaches that are throwing BP to you out on the field. I'm trying to get my work in specifically trying to make sure that my fundamentals, my swing stays at a specific path. And those, you know, that's, that's easier for me to think about when it's, you know, you're just your regular types of tosses and I don't have to, you know, make any kind of like reactions to anything. I can try to keep anything out. So they would try to mess with everybody. Now, of course, I, you know, I understand some of like the ideas behind screwing with somebody's, you know, routines and fundamentals and things like that, because you can't take the same swing approach to every pitch. Obviously, you know, there's change-ups, and this is what, you know, this is the whole process of baseball and pitching and hitting and the, you know, counterbalance of each one and so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, they would just throw, sometimes they'd throw knuckleballs or they'd, like, throw a ball behind you and, like, you know, just laugh just to make themselves entertained. And I was like, I'm trying to work here. I don't like this. This is not fun for me when you guys, you know, are just here to jerk around. And so, yeah, just everything really, I just didn't, didn't really like it, but, uh, that was Midland. And then, uh, and then after that, I went to Lamar, loved the team there. You know, I like, I loved some of the players that were at Midland and, uh, didn't really, you know, absolutely dislike any of the players there. Um, and then, uh, but you know, at the same time I wasn't, you know, like, I don't know, it was, uh, it was different, I guess. The Lamar really clicked with a lot of the guys. Uh, had a lot of fun there. I still talked to some of the guys on the team there for, that were from there, um, you know, and uh, uh, a lot of those players that were on that team, uh, I respected a, a, a lot more than most of the players that I ended up playing with overall in general. But uh, they, uh, those guys were probably closer as far as friendships to me and respect level to me as the guys that I played at NIWAT with like the respect level that I had for all of those players and coaching staff was like to the utmost, you know, it was almost like nobody could ever live up to that. You know, the guys from Lamar, Lamar were the, they came the closest until the Browns and then the, the guys from the Browns and the Reds and the, the Bulls and all the guys that I've played with uh, and the Red Sox uh, over these last few years, you know, I'd get in a dugout with all those guys any day. Throughout these times in college, you talk openly about the addiction issues that develop and, I just wonder if all of this stuff just kept you away from from building that connection with the people. Well, I don't know, because, see, I was out there with those guys, you know, for the most part. I think that, uh, you know, my mindset was basically, you know, baseball will take care of itself. This is the time you're supposed to make friends. This is college. Everybody has lasting friendships and lifelong friendships that you always hear about and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's not necessarily like that, um, you know, especially as an athlete, it's not necessarily like that. That certainly is something that can come around and you end up finding like, you know, that uh, true companionship in another person. And you're just lifelong friends or whatever. It, you know, it doesn't happen like that all the time uh, or for everybody. And 
I don't know. I feel like, you know, I was still out there hanging out with those guys. I just had the, I had a different mindset, you know, and I did it so often that, you know, cause it was almost like, well, I don't want them to not think I'm cool or, you know, whatever. And it, it got to the point where of course, you know, I'm drinking every night now and I don't, I'm not making it to my early morning classes and, you know, voluntary lifting workouts since they're voluntary. I'm like, well, I was out till three in the morning. I'm not going to go to the gym at six because I've got class at eight and I'm going to wake up at 7.52. It's going to take me six minutes to walk there. And then I'm going to take a 10 minute nap when I sit down in the, in the room. All, you know, I was just, I was not in the right place. Uh, and then, you know, that stuff was mostly at Midland when I was drinking like that. And then when I went to Lamar, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't really plan on it going like that. And I just, you know, I kept, I kept partying again once I started partying and definitely got out of control. And, you know, that was where, you know, the, the coach, uh, you know, he said something to me and then I said something back and that was essentially the split. You know, I think the next day he, uh, I went to, I went to his office to apologize. I just, I was also not in the right headspace either. Uh, he gave me the chance basically to apologize, take my lashings, you know, sit me out for a month or whatever, whatever his punishment was going to end up being. And I just, you know, I was, I just, I, I was just an asshole, I guess, you know, and, and I said, you know, hey, uh, if you're not going to make a decision while I'm sitting here, I I'm going to need to know as soon as possible because I need to, like, find another school or something like that. I think that's, like, how, uh, it, like, toward the end of the conversation went. And he's like, okay, get your stuff, go. Get out. I don't need you here. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was that. And I think that, you know, had I been a little bit more humbled and, you know, just, like, been like, I, you know what? And then if, I'd, if, if that moment there had been slightly different on my end, then maybe, you know, things had, you know, maybe, maybe that could have like woke me up somewhere, but, uh, it didn't go that way. And I didn't wake up. And when I got to Otero, the third place, I really didn't give a shit anymore. Why do you think it went so different? I mean, baseball almost like died for me in a way, you know, I mean, like uh, when I was at Lamar, nine 11 happened. That was kind of a weird time, obviously, you know, for everybody, but, uh, mm -hmm. That was just, I don't even know at the time if I like even really like could comprehend what was, what was like happening. Like the way I remember that going down was the night before me and the same group of guys that I'd party with at Lamar just about all the time we were out. I was probably out later than everybody else who knows, or just continue drinking. I don't know. But the next day I was, you know, and so the night, the night before wasted. Uh, and the next morning I was just still asleep and you know, one of my teammates came bursting the door. He's like, did you see the TV? Do you know what just happened? I'm like, no idea at all. And then he turns the TV on. And then uh, I like lay my head back down and just go back to sleep for a little bit longer. And then I get up and I just kind of stumbled into the commons room and went into the, you know, I looked over at everybody staring at the TV and it was like the news and I, but there was no like images at this exact moment so i just turned away and continued in ate my breakfast you know which was probably almost lunch at this point and uh uh and then when i walked out i saw it all you know them replaying the first one going in and then the second one and i was like what is going on and yeah we had a team meeting the next day and that was emotional yeah it was a that was a big moment you know but like i feel like 
I feel like at the time I couldn't really even comprehend how big of a moment it really was. Biggest regret of all of my college life was was literally how Lamar ended up going down. That was I felt like really baseball was basically over and all of my real chances were gone at that point, you know. And then when I went to Otero, I was like, this is, you know, this is where it'll end for me. And I didn't really, you know, some of the things the coaches were doing, I didn't really agree with again. And I was like, mm, yeah, this is this is definitely, you know. And at that point, the word, I'm sure, had gotten around. He's partying too much. There's really no scouts at any of the games. And even though I had some success there, you know, through a no-hitter at, uh, at Otero, it's uh, – it still isn't like, you know, like, yeah, okay, you can pull some magic out every once in a while because you used to have talent, but you're not, you can't pull that out day to day the way it would need to be if you want to be a professional athlete anymore because it's sailing away from you and you're not, you're not keeping up with the ship. And so why would we come and watch you, you know, drown basically? And it's sad, but it makes perfect sense. You know, I can look back now and be like, yeah, absolutely. I totally get it. You know, this would be, you, you would call a player that had a lot of talent that just kind of washed out of school you'd say he had his head up his ass. That's pretty, you know, can't, can't necessarily argue against it. I can say things did go wrong for me in just about every single way. And I also handled it extremely poorly, you know? So uh, there are things that would just happen and it's kind of, that sucks. Also things that happened, some were, you know, because I went out and partied. So I got blamed for stuff that I didn't actually do because I was the easy one to blame. Because of course, if something goes wrong, be like, oh yeah, well that guy did. He's out partying all the time, of course. Oh, well, yeah, you're right. As a coach, that makes perfect sense. No doubt. Why wouldn't I think of that? I already know he goes out every night. What What can you do at that point? You're like, well, I didn't do it, but it certainly is going to look like it, like I did. You know, that's the position you end up putting yourself in when you go party every night and you don't think about it at the time. You know that that's what it looks like, you know? Like I said, I read the article to see if I, I know where you were. Like about 30, 31, you were... Um, drinking nightly, you're using prescription drugs. I was, uh, I was not drinking anymore after that. I drank from pretty much the time I was basically like 20 years old, you know, uh, until I was like 25. I pretty much just okay. like, uh, drank from there. And when I was 25 is when I found the pills and pretty much the transition away from booze into pills was pretty much straight from there. And I think I did those for like seven straight years or, or eight, almost six and a half, something like that. So, yeah, your 20s then were basically under the influence of something. Exactly. You had your sexuality so buried inside yourself that I can't imagine what it was doing to you mentally and physically. And right. you maybe you don't even realize what it was doing at the time. Absolutely. What is the – what – what was the turnaround for you? Do you remember like a moment? Yeah, it was like, so when I was, I kind of was like, uh, you know, I, I was basically sick of the way that I was living. I was like, I don't, I don't need to, you know, to live like this. It's not, I'm not out there. Like I, I, I'm not, I'm not being a criminal. I'm not, I'm not stealing for these pills. I'm literally just taking them every day that as long as I'm awake, you know, and it, it's like the worst thing in the world when you don't have them. So I'm doing everything I can not to not have them, of course, but I'm not like stealing pills. I'm not robbing. I'm not becoming a criminal. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm not like completely destroying my life in like that sense, but I am like self abusing as a way to also torment myself. Right. And so when I finally was like, knock that shit off, Matt, uh, I asked my sister and her husband for help and they said, absolutely. 
And as soon as I kind of woke up from there, I just, you know, was like, hey, this is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling alive again. And let's let's go after some goals here. Let's set some some lofty goals, even, you know, like just doesn't matter what it is. I don't care how far of a reach it is. Let's just aim and shoot and land where we land. And I was like, you know, let's start off first and let's go play baseball again. I hadn't seen the guys in a couple of years. And uh, uh, so I, I gave Onisco a call, uh, Mike Onisco, and uh, he's the manager of the Browns. And uh, I said, hey, dude, what are you doing? Is there any room? Can I play? And he's like, absolutely. Come on out. And uh, unfortunately, like six weeks into the season, uh, I'd tear my uh, ACL and meniscus. And, uh, um, and I was like, fuck, man, you know. And uh, I, but at the time, I didn't like I mean, I felt like two pops. It was like snap, snap. And down I went. I'm like, well, nothing's ever like snapped in any of my legs while I was doing anything ever and made me just completely fall to the ground, right? So I'm like, something happened. But also, I was, my knee wasn't displaced. Uh, I walked off the field. Um, and uh, later on, I ended up uh, pitching in one of the games in the 4th of July tournament with a torn ACL and meniscus. I didn't even, you know, I hadn't had the, uh, I had had the MRI, but I didn't have the results yet. I got the results two days after the day I pitched. I think I threw like seven innings, 10 strikeouts, something like that, two runs, maybe, I don't know. Um, and, uh, and pitched this got us to I think the championship game uh, uh, in that tournament, or maybe it was like got us to the semifinal game. I don't remember now, but uh, yeah, it was uh, that was uh, uh, as soon as that injury happened, I was like, I'm, I remember I have to I had to tell myself this is not an excuse to get back on those, you know, because that this is a time when you would be given those in a normal scenario, you know, for somebody that isn't hasn't had them you know, in their system every day for seven years and has only literally had six months or five months or whatever it is of not in your system. And then you, you tear your knee and then you had surgery and you go right back on. I'm like, that's, I'm like, it's too soon. You're going to have to power through this. You know, I kept telling myself, so that's what I did. And when I was doing the rehab, I was real proud of myself. I didn't take any medicine. Uh, I was doing the therapy. I told myself, this is the perfect opportunity you're already doing therapy for your knee to get it better. There's all of the equipment around here and you, and they said that you can stay and work out on the equipment. I'm like, I might as well do that every day that I'm here. And then I can come in on one of the other days and get like three days a week or whatever it is as a workout and get myself back into, you know, some sort of decent shape where I can feel respected uh, for myself, you know, feel that self-respect again, self-worth um, because I beat myself up for so long. I, I needed it. Right. When I did that, I was feeling good, and I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to let those feelings stay repressed anymore. I'm going to, at the very least, look into acting on them at least once to find out if it's really just kind of like a, you know, a, a, a thought uh, that crept in and it's not real or just like a little fantasy that's just kind of, you know, going to die the second it becomes, you know, potentially real and so on and so forth. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to I'm going to try this out and I'm going to see what's, you know, like what's there. And, you know, the first moment I was like, yeah, <laughs> definitely. So. successful first time, huh? Uh, well, it was just, you know, like it wasn't it, I didn't have sex the first time that I stepped out into the world or anything. You know, I don't I've only had sex with a, a few people. Um and, you know, so like, I mean, I, and when I was younger, you know, high school, like early college years, I had sex with a few females and now it's a few males. And so it's, there it is. 
it's, de- it's not a, it's I, I haven't been you know I haven't been running amok out there since I came out or anything so <laughs> there hasn't been anything like that what do you think kept it so deep within you all those years do you think it was baseball or is it like a conservative family no, no, um, no we're not we're not like a conservative family or anything uh uh, it wasn't anything like that. My family supports me, and they're totally cool with it. You know, my brother ribs me every now and again, which is fine. But uh, as brothers do, absolutely. You know, and uh, we're 15 months apart. I mean, literally, we're like we finish each other's sentences. Sometimes we'll like watch movies when we're not even like he's. He'll I'll, I'll be like, you know, he'll text me something. I'll be like, oh man, I was thinking about watching that. He's like, oh really? I just finished it yesterday, and I'm like, oh yeah, I don't know. It's just we kind of have like a miniature, like or a, like a slight version of some sort of twinning thing that's going on. I don't know. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so uh, that's it's not that I th- I really think that it was you know I tucked it away so long and then when I was beating myself up I was like well there's no reason to you know I wasn't trying to you know go out with girls anymore I was just literally focusing on the detriment of myself you know while maintaining the cover to the outside world I guess you'd say that uh, I'm doing just fine you know but I wasn't seeing my friends I wasn't you know, uh, uh, calling people to hang out or, or anything like that. So it was, you know, I wasn't reaching out to anybody as much as people weren't reaching out to me. It's, it's not, you know, I, I feel like the article kind of sometimes made it sound like I was, I don't know if like, I was like complaining that nobody ever reached out to me or anything like that, but it was, it, you know, it was mutual. I wasn't reaching out and vice versa. It wasn't like this, like, Oh, well, they're not going to do that. Well, then I'm not going to, it was, it was just kind of, the, there's a, there was a few inaccuracies in there too. Like he, the, one of the things that I think was mentioned is that a place I got blamed for something happened at Lamar, but it was Otero. It wasn't at Lamar. Lamar had the, the coach and I mixing words together and, and then, you know, like my arrogant asshole you know, half apology uh, the next morning is essentially, you know, giving me the boot, which is, you know, whatever. And then the and Midland, the philosophy was just, you know, like wholeheartedly that place felt wrong all the way, you know, just like the place itself, the coaches, their philosophies that just like right off the bat immediately was like completely turned off to everything that that was there except for the colors i liked the the green and i think yellow (laughs) (laughs) so let me ask you when you when you come out to your family and obviously it sounds like they were all accepting of it did you feel like just a weight lifted off of you kind of you know i like in a way it felt like uh there was like a little bit more weight in a way added like it was like you know they had like nobody had any clue like I, they were all completely off guard. Nobody had any idea at all. The fact that it was that well hidden, you know, almost bothered me in a way. Right. Like I'm like, well, shit. I mean, I didn't really feel like I was like lying to my family the whole time, but kind of in a way it's not like a deliberate lie or, you know, deception, but it's like a withholding, you know, it's like that fine line ish kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. it's kind of a weird you know it's a weird rope to tow yeah so it just it it was like yeah this is you know because it was also new for me too like you know i was like oh yeah okay and then i met somebody and we started dating and i was like telling my family i was like oh yeah i met some dudes really cool and we're, we're hanging out and we're friends and we're playing video games right you know or whatever it was uh, i think it was the star wars battlefront i think i was telling people i was you know playing video games over at somebody's house with it was, uh, yeah, that I was like, this is silly to even have to lie about about this, right? Regardless of how many times that I've act- I actually played video games when I told them I was going over there, 
uh, half truths or not. Like, uh, it was just silly, right? So I was like, I, I'm going to tell him. And then when I did, you know, my mom just, she cried and she said, I just want you to be happy. And, you know, dad was understanding and said, you know, like, we still love you, kiddo. You know, it doesn't make a difference. You're still our kid. And, you know, brother was, uh, he was, you know, he was shocked, but he was just like, well, I mean, if you're happy, then I don't care. That's good. And my sister, she, you know, I, I was the most nervous to tell her. Uh, and she's, you know, like the most accepting, the most like she was, she was always the person who was like, you know, like she's like the, the coolest human being on the planet. My sister is. And especially if everybody met her, like, and you talk to her, you'd be like, why in the world have you been afraid to tell her? It's really because of that reason right there, right? Like, you're scared that, like, maybe that's just like a veneer or something. I don't know. You're just like, well, is that like, you're just being nice because you work in a professional setting, you know, and you're not trying to be mean to anybody or like, you know, really? And I'm, and then, I, you know, and, and even still, like, because that's not my sister. She's, she's just not fake. You know, and she's super competitive. You know, she just, yeah, that's just not her. So to have those fears is essentially completely unnatural, but also they were there. So I was like, I told her last, I was the most nervous and worried about it. It was totally cool with everything. So it was like, and that was when the relief happened because I told my brother, you know, and that was, you know, what it was. And then I told my parents and then that was what it was. And then I told my sister and then, you know, it was kind of like, okay, so now the people that I really care about know and they don't care. Nothing else matters, you know? Does the game of baseball look different to you now then? Because, you know, you're out now and your your teammates know and not that you're, you know, you're waving your sexuality on the field, but just to be able to be open about who you are and be able to play a game that you love and be accepted by teammates and be healthier mentally and you know, we talked about your injury you have now, but overall even be, I think, healthier physically in ways. <laughs> well, there's there's different reasons maybe the game looks different to me now. But like, yeah, after that, I, I was I guess I was a little bit worried that, uh, you know, there might be some strange pushback or issues in the league and whatever else. But uh, it, there really wasn't any of that. I, there was no no player in the league, no player on the Browns or teams I played on that ever uh, – said anything negative um and i only ever received uh, good feedback which was great and also the fact that the browns players none of them like they didn't like treat me differently they didn't talk to me differently you know like and even the way they ribbed me sometimes they would just you know you're just switching it up a little bit and that's all it is and what do baseball players do we hit curveballs all, all the time so we're good at switching things up you know it was it was pretty seamless and smooth and uh you know even if some of the players you know have personal issues with it they never once showed it to me and uh and i thank them for that you know i respect them as men for that that's uh that was cool um and i only ever felt accepted which was super helpful so i uh i think as far as looking at the game um differently i i feel like my view of the game was always different um uh yeah, I just, yeah, I don't, uh, there's differences in today's game than, than there used to be. And that's what really makes me look at the game differently than like, you know, me coming out or anything. Cause I don't think that that ever affected baseball one way or the other. We've been, we've been talking for an hour. I have two more questions I want to ask you. Um, okay. One is the one I ask everyone. And then this one, I think a couple years ago, I think you were already out. I believe if I'm correct, the Browns are the one that had a pride night. Did you play that game? I or were you not a part of that? 
I was probably not a part of it. There was, uh, you know, I think because the first uh, couple, like the couple of years that I played for the Browns when all this was happening, you know, and uh, uh, it was, I had never been to Pride, you know, at that point, I'd never even been to a gay bar until uh, Matt Ruppinger took me to, uh, took me to X Bar in Denver um, to, uh, uh, after one of the Rocky games, after my article came out, it was Gay Pride Night in, Den- uh, in Denver and weekend and everything else. So uh, the Rockies had a night there and I went there and met some people and we hung out and rep- they said they were going to that bar and re- and I'm like, I don't know where it is, dude, I've never been, never even hung out in Denver ever once. You know, I mean, I've, I've ran from places before because we were stupid, you know, 22 or whatever. <laughs> But, uh, like, that was still, like, basically the outskirts. I mean, it wasn't in the heart of anywhere, you know. And it wasn't near any gay clubs that I was not, that I knew of at the time. So he's like, yeah, I know where it is. Don't worry about it. We'll go. We, we rode bikes to it and hung out and had a great weekend. And uh, then the next two years after that, I was like, I've never actually been to Pride, like the parade or anything at all. And so I went uh, the first time and uh, had a, a boyfriend that I went to with that one. And... Then the following year, I had a new boyfriend, and so we wanted to have our first pride together. And so the two prides, basically, that uh, that happened after the article had come out, um, uh, I hadn't been uh, a part of the Browns uh, pride, which is a bummer, obviously, because I would be the representative for the Browns in that moment, and then everybody tuning in would be there to watch, and it's like, yes, he's, uh, well, he's celebrating uh, pride, you know, like literally four blocks away, um, you know, but... Yeah, so it was, uh, I, I missed those games, unfortunately, you know, but also I was having my first prides and my second prides and first prides with, you know, first relationships in uh, two different ways. That's crazy. That's cool. Um, my last question is this, and I ask everyone, if you can go back in time and, and you know, 12 year 12 or 13 year old self, something to help you accept who you are early on, what would that one thing be? I think that, uh, I mean, knowing what I know now, it's... Uh, the number one thing would be that you have to love yourself. Loving yourself is, is, is going to make it so much more comfortable for you to live in your own skin. You know, you don't always have to get along with your own self, but like loving your emotional self, like, you know, you, you grab onto what you believe are going to be your core values and you hold on to those and who, and that's who you are and who you are, you know, adapts over time. But loving yourself is really the important part because you know, you can do a lot of damage if you love yourself, and I know that. Well, thank you so much for coming on and getting us scheduled and, and talking with me so fast since we first started chatting. Um, it's been a good chat, and I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I appreciate you reaching out, and uh, yeah, I was totally, I was caught off guard. I was like, how is my name in that article even coming up? You know, two or three years later, whatever it is. Uh, I'm like, yeah, that's interesting, and so. Um, you know, uh, thank you, uh, Matt, Matt, Matt Replinger for, uh, uh, getting my name out there again for me, I guess. So, uh, 